0: Good morning, everyone. And thank you so much for joining me this morning on Coding with Christine Hall. I'm so excited today, friends. I have my good friend Sonal Patel with us today. I have wanted her on the show for so very long. Thank you, Sonal, for coming on the show today.
1: Oh, my God, Christine. It's my pleasure. I'm so happy I could finally be here apologize and, and, for the long wait as well cuz I know uh, you and I were going back and forth for a couple months on when I can come on but today's the day so I'm thrilled thank you well
0: it, it's because it's national pizza day so now it's it's our favorite pizza day, day.
1: it's our favorite <gasps> food group right <laughs> i'm so excited I'm so we know excited. what i'm having for dinner tonight seriously and lunch why not
0: absolutely so <laughs> before we get started on our topic today which is um uh, chapter or section one, subsection C, chapter one of subsection C, the infectious and parasitic diseases. Before we get started on that, you have a lot of new things happening in your world. Uh, I recently went on LinkedIn and saw that you have a new page on LinkedIn. You want to share that with us? Sure.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I've been working on a little thing called SP Collaborative, LLC for quite some time. I finally uh, got my nerves up, right, to post it on LinkedIn and share with all of you guys, all of my connections, and just kind of grow the name of my new little LLC, SP Collaborative. So, yeah, um, you know, I've been thinking about taking a venture on my own for quite some time, and I'm just happy I finally bit the bullet. And I'm joining the club of everyone I know who is an entrepreneur um, and is still in this same space of helping out our physicians um, to document things properly, help them in their reimbursement, as well as help our peers, right? Help mm-hmm. new coders that are coming up in the field, new compliance professionals, etc. So yeah, I'm just happy, happy that... Um, I can now introduce myself with that little tag as well, SP Collaborative. So thanks, Christine.
0: I'm so excited. And and I want to remind all the listeners out there. So we have an amazing resource. And and you're right. There's a lot of us out there. um, But you have to remember that each one of us comes from a different perspective. And so I don't know if I shared with you, Sonal, I ride horses. I've competed in dressage for many years. amazing. The first thing I learned was every trainer has a unique way of providing you information for you to become better. And so the more people that you expose yourself to, the better that you become. And maybe I might say something that um, I feel is sending a message that people should receive, but maybe that's not the way that you receive messages. So I encourage everyone out there to reach out to Sanal, reach out to myself, reach out to my friends, Kimberly Jolivette Williams and Betty Hovey, Terry Fletcher. And I'm forgetting all my other friends, but we only have so much time today. So, <laughs> but, um, Learning from everyone and Absolutely. different specialties that we're all stronger in Right. that we can kind of complement each other. So uh, congratulations. Thank you. I, I'm so happy Thanks for so much. you. Thank and I'm, I can't wait to see what the future holds.
1: Me too, thanks so much. Thank sure.
0: you. so let's dive into the nitty gritty. Um, I wanna break down, uh, just in a chat, an easy yeah. way for new coders, established coders. You know who you are. You're the one who hasn't read the guidelines in about 10 years, but it's time and I realize the guidelines read like furniture assembly instructions. Do you ever buy so a piece of furniture? Different. Of, of from
1: course, Ikea. from Ikea. Oh my God, I need to try and build it with that. It's like a foreign language that you're trying to read. Like their roadmap foreign is a foreign language. I'm like, yeah. I don't understand.
0: Yes, that's it's well said. Here. That's the guidelines, yes. Yeah, Yes. Uh, I have a philosophy. I think I've shared it on a few of the other visits the best way to understand the guidelines is to read it three times. Read it on a Friday night with a bottle of wine. Read it on a Saturday with that cup of coffee you're going to (laughs) need. And then read it on a Sunday after you have made your peace with whatever deity you make peace with. um, So that you have that favor in reading it the third time. (laughs) And that's when those breadcrumbs stick in your mind. You've read it three times now, you've seen the titles, you've seen the content, you've seen that chapter one is parasitic and infectious diseases. And what does it say in that chapter? Well, I I can tell you, I know it talks about um, HIV. It talks about sequencing HIV. And that can be kind of difficult.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, let's circle back to what you were talking about. Reading those guidelines, could not agree more. I make it a habit to read my guidelines every year, right mm-hmm. around the time the new book comes out. Right, right around the time we're supposed to be using them on October first of each and every year. Right, I make it a Thanks habit for the to reminder read- October first to make it a fact to read those 181 pages or so Mm -hmm. of those guidelines that are, A, this is a great reminder, right? You um, can find these things for free online, right? From CMS website, CDC website. You can just um, circle up to that PDF that you can find online um, and print it yourself and read it yourself um, again and again and again until it really sticks, right? And then what I like to do after October 1st, when I'm working on a particular client, you know, to go back to that chapter for that specialty that he or she might be in, to then refresh myself again, while I'm currently working on that material, right? So it's super relevant
0: to his or her practice. So yeah, love it. Absolutely. And I don't know if you also have noticed, and I've been excited that as the years go on, these guidelines kind of expand the boundaries that coders have. I noticed a couple of years ago, they, they advised a coder can um, review other documentation in the medical record beyond the attending physician if we need clarification for laterality, BMI, things right. that beforehand, before it was written in the guidelines, we would have to go chasing the doctor down and say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, which leg was it you did the knee replacement? You yeah. didn't write it, you know. Right, exactly. But unless you're reading those guidelines annually for the updates, just like you said, we're going to lose that. We're not going to get that information. And, and that hinders coders. It hinders
1: us, exactly,
0: Mm -hmm. right? Because it's all about expansion
1: of those ICD codes, right? 10 is all about specificity, which is why I can be very frank. I can't memorize these ICD 10 codes anymore like I could for ICD-9, right? So there's so many digits um, and they're alphanumeric. So it just poses difficulty. So you really have to be able... To use those books, I prefer books. Mm-hmm. Um, if you need that encoder from time to time, absolutely, um, it gives you the same information. It's the exact same information. Um, it's just laid out online. Um, but either way, it's a must. We we can't ignore the importance of our diagnosis coding anymore. Like those those days are long gone. We have to. Um, have just as much significance on those diagnosis codings as we do on um, those CPT codes and those HCPCS codes. I think they're all on the same playing field. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. And um, in in preparation for a presentation that I'm performing for Oncospark, they have mm-hmm. a, a, a revenue cycle symposium right. coming up. Mm-hmm. And in preparation of a presentation, You know, I'm reminded that there are almost 80,000 ICD-10 codes. Yep. And not all of those codes can be first listed codes or should be first or principal listed codes. And there are times where um, coders forget that just because it has a code doesn't mean that it can be sequenced that way. And we see that a lot in chapter one of the guidelines here when we talk Mm -hmm. about infectious diseases and parasitic diseases. So when we talk about HIV, we need to remember that there's a sequencing rule there, whether we're reporting an asymptomatic HIV um, Z71 or someone who has had an opportunistic, an HIV opportunistic infection that flips them over to that B20. And, and I'll tell you, I was for many, many years because I'm not clinical. I'm administrative. I'm comfortable administrative. Um, th- I struggled with when does that switch happen from a Z21 to a B20. And there's an awesome, awesome resource at the CDC. It's the HIV opportunistic infections. And I often will That's write right. some of these in my book, mm-hmm. like write them off in the margin. What are those infections? Um pneumocystic carini pneumonia, uh, um, uh, cryptococcal meningitis, all of those great big words that I'm not familiar with. And because infectious disease isn't a specialty that I work in all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. I've worked in it plenty, mm-hmm. but not all the time. It's right. it is important that we have resources out there that can, Assist us as coders to select that correct code: asymptomatic versus symptomatic. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So that's a that's one of the areas there that um, I like the most. Another thing. So, was it last year? Um, since COVID, I'll be honest with you, my years are just blended. Right. I agree. Yes. 2020 Correct. to 2023 has just been like one massive, one year. big
1: massive. Yes, right. Couldn't agree more. Yep.
0: <laughs> so one of the things that they added to the guidelines last year, maybe the year before, again my years are mixed up, is they gave us some really clear instructions about how to report the patients that are taking the antiretroviral medications. And I have a friend who's HIV positive, and so mm-hmm. now he takes antiretroviral medication. And the last time he had his viral count um, checked, it was undetectable.
1: Wow.
0: Not that they're incredible. Cured,
1: Right. But, but that's incredible. Right. It's incredible.
0: But there's a guideline now yeah. of how we report that scenario. So those patients that are taking those antiretroviral medications, they get assigned a B20 because they're receiving and they're they're being treated with the antiretroviral right. medication. Right. I would struggle with that if I didn't have a guideline because I would exactly. think they're asymptomatic. They're
1: asymptomatic, right, exactly.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly,
1: yeah. So
0: um, that's one of those areas that I just think is, is amazing that they break it down for us. Another one we were talking about earlier was sepsis. Oh,
1: that's a tricky one. It's always been tricky. Way back since the ICD-9 days, too, it's just a complex, complex guideline that you have to, if you have patients that you're coding for, um, if you're looking at those types of charts, you have to have those guidelines open.
0: Oh, yeah. At, all,
1: at all times. You cannot yeah. be second guessing and no, 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 you need those guidelines.
0: Yeah, never for sure. sepsis without your guidelines. Never And those of you that are ho- working for hospitalists, this might be an area that you see quite a bit because we would expect someone with sepsis to, to be receiving that type of hospitalization level of care. Right. It's not often that someone would treat sepsis at home considering the seriousness of that.
1: Right.
0: And um, one thing I notice in the guidelines is they kind of give you that sequencing. So when you look at... Mm-hmm severe sepsis. That first sentence says, you're going to need two codes. Two codes. Right. says it right there. Yeah. Yep. And then they tell you which one's going to be first Mm -hmm. and which one's going to be second. So again, in the margins of my book, I'll just read that paragraph one more time to myself and put a number one and number two from the start. And what's my number one code going to be? And what's my number two code going to be? So maybe it is going to be that that R code, or maybe it is going to be the infection, but I'm going to make that note to the side to remind myself what that paragraph really means.
1: Exactly. That's, that's a great trick. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I, I do that a lot in the guidelines. I'll paraphrase those paragraphs, even from the beginning, from the conventions, mm-hmm. I will Read them, paraphrase them off to the side, so that when I go to look at it, I can just get a refresher of what is what is it actually saying to me, and I don't have to read the paragraph and process the paragraph and decipher the paragraph, and um, and that I find to be very helpful, and and it helps with my comprehension of what they're trying to tell me in that section, since it's written in 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 Ike's. Yeah. <laughs> 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 My new word, IPEs.
1: <laughs> so, you know, yeah, for for the new coders that are out there, I think it's it's good to know that you're protected, right? When I knew I was coming on to talk to you today, I made sure that I double-checked the guidelines and you know where the codes are actually located, right? Do we have those? those rules reinforced at that second location as well, right, Mm -hmm. where it says code first, code also, right? And then they give the exact examples of what you can use. And so I think that's a good reminder for all of you guys out there that you do have that second layer of protection also, um, that it is well-documented for you um, to use which code first. Or also, it's a good reminder that, oh my goodness, there should be something else happening. I need to capture another code. Um,
0: I so. talked about this last night, Sonal. I was teaching oh. a, a class and mm-hmm. we were talking about um, urinary tract infections. Mm-hmm. And think about when your kids were little. Well, why do they have a urinary tract infection? Well, because there's a bacteria. Well, what bacteria is it? Oh, it's a uh, E. coli bacteria. Oh, you know, and you remember that look that they all got on their face. Right, right. Well, coding kind of is the same way. With it's COVID. the same thing. Just like yes. you were saying that that safety there in the tabular section, mm-hmm. where it says in the tabular section, urinary tract infection, and right underneath it, it says code also. Code also. Who caused it? What bacteria yeah. caused right. this urinary tract infection? Right. Um, and so that it it does lead you there. It just looks so daunting when you pick that book up and you open it up and you see that tiny font and all those pages, <laughs> right?
1: Well, I think they're saying, I think the word is out that this ICD-11 that we should be on, I guess, here within a few years um, is supposed to be electronic. I think we're done with books.
0: I've heard what
1: will we do Vine. without books, Christine?
0: Yeah, what I, will we no, do? I, I know. And I did hear that through the grapevine. Yeah. Right. From one of our national organization, Grapevines. Mm-hmm. Um, and they that organization is it's allegedly going to uh, give the option to use start using ebooks on exams on mm-hmm. uh, uh, educations and to start kind of transitioning over there i i listened mm-hmm. to a webinar not too long ago from the world health organization on icd11 I, I hope it doesn't take us 25 years to convert over like it did from 9 to 10 i i from what i've seen icd11 is very similar to what we're using but right. more specific mm-hmm. um and and i'm looking forward to that transition i really for sure. am for sure Yeah, but the electronic version, it scares me a little. I uh, I joke around that in my books, it's very rare that you're gonna find a page that doesn't have a note on it. And it takes a full weekend, a full two days, 16 to 20 hours to transfer every year from one book to the next book, all of my notes. What will I do?
1: That's that's what I'm saying. There are people like you and I that still exist. We need our books. We like to write in them year after year. The highlighting, the writing, you know, the cross-referencing. I found this here on page blah blah of the guideline next to the code in the tabular. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, I don't know. I think we'll have to find a workaround for ourselves when we're forced to use that electronic system. But anyway, you know,
0: yeah. I say this at the beginning of every presentation I ever give or education or training, you know, there's only one thing in this industry that we can count on and that's change. Yeah, for sure. So we have to be at least open to that change so that we can continue to grow. We can continue to be successful. Exactly. uh,
1: Yeah. And that's what this field is. It's all about change all the time.
0: Yeah. Right. So another thing I yeah. wanted to talk about uh, in this chapter, in light of the president announcing that we are we have a hard date for the end of the public health emergency. So May 11th is the end of May the public 11th. health emergency. One of the areas in chapter one talks about COVID and, and um, COVID-19, coronavirus, mm-hmm. however you want to refer to it, mm-hmm. and assigning a code for COVID. So one of the things, um, and they tell us, COVID's the primary diagnosis. So our, our um, U07.1 should be primary. Uh, there's sequencing guidance when it comes to any other acute respiratory manifestation that might they might have. COVID still goes first, the manifestation mm-hmm. comes second. And they provide us with all of this handholding. But when you get to the screening for COVID, we've been advised all of these years since we've had this new guidance that a screening generally would not be an appropriate code during a pandemic. It's weird to assume that everyone has been exposed. So rather than a screening, we use an exposure code, but that's going to change on May 11th. And I think it's important to remember that we're going to start using after May 11th, those screening codes that we previously weren't using because they were inappropriate. They'd even said it in the guideline. So, um, do I anticipate a change there? Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, but also the, don't forget, we still have that other new code that came to us last year, that post COVID code to report when someone is no longer COVID positive, but, they're still having some residual signs and symptoms. We're, right. we're learning every day what COVID does to the body. So we're still struggling to, to find that out. And that guidance is there, mm-hmm. how to sequence that, that story or exactly. that picture. We that have to paint it. Paint. Yes, yes. How do That's we paint right. the patient <laughs> who is no longer COVID positive but they still haven't. They're not 100% yet, right. so there's a guidance there. And then, God forbid, they get reinfected with COVID, which we know is a
1: which we know happens, right?
0: right. Yep. How do you sequence that? And right. that's all right there. So they'll tell us, you know, um, let us know what it is that you're still struggling with, or or if you're newly COVID, you 07one mm-hmm. Then tell us what you didn't get back from the last COVID. And then give us that post-COVID code, so that that picture stays painted of exactly what's happening today. I, I love your <laughs> podcast, um, and and any chance that I get to to use your slogan, I always do. Paint the medical picture. I, uh, I, I wish promise.
1: it was I wish it was mine, but it's such a perfect. It's just perfect um, for our patient care, right? We have to be painting that patient's medical picture very very clearly. Um, I wanted to also remind everybody that we've gone pretty far in these three years, speaking of COVID, right? Mm -hmm. What did we do in the beginning? We were in a panic. There was no code, right, for all of these things. So it was just different looking at documentation three years ago, right? And then looking at documentation today and how we are actually implementing these new codes. And like you said, these post-COVID codes are going to continue to be brought forward, right? At these new um, ICD-10 meetings, I'm going to presume that they're going to be discussing some possible new coding options as well that are necessary based on how patients are presenting long haul, right? Yeah. Um, With their variety of issues that continue after the fact that they had COVID. Um, I know at least seven people that have had the COVID older in age
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, and continue to have these types of long-term situations, effects, um, things that persist.
0: So I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I think at this point, this many years into it already, I, I, I assume, but I think it's a pretty solid assumption that every one of us has been affected by COVID either through a loved one or a a, a friend of a loved one or someone close to us that is either was affected by COVID, lost a battle to COVID, is still battling COVID, like you Mm -hmm. said, and Mm -hmm. it's been a long road. And unfortunately, I think it's gonna be an even longer road um, maybe not from the pandemic perspective, but now that long haul, what mm-hmm. effects is it happening, are uh, happening to our bodies as a as an effect of that virus exactly. that attacked us so violently so exactly. many years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So that was absolutely incredible. Um You know, there's a few other things that they talk about in this chapter. They talk about MRSA, MRSA, right? And whether you're susceptible to it or whether you're resistant (laughs) to it. So whether it's a methylcilial susceptible uh, or methylcilial resistant Staphylococcus aureus. Uh, I learned that one a long time ago. I use it at party tricks. Like, well, sure you do. You know? I'm sure you're a big hit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another one that fascinates me is you know. Remember many years ago the Zika virus. Mm-hmm. Well, we have some guidance on reporting Zika. I haven't seen Zika in a while, but I again, I'm not that. in that infectious disease world. Right. Right. Um, but there are some guidances there mm-hmm. to report that disease process as well. So whether it is MRSA, whether it's Zinca, whether it's COVID, whether it's AIDS, you said the big S word. I know it's not our favorite, but it's there. It's there. And it's so serious. It really Mm -hmm. is so serious. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so, That is wonderful. I think we have some resources that are available for us. Again, I I had that HIV opportunistic infections that's on the CDC website. Um, It's a godsend. I'm not going to lie. Great resource. Great resource. And uh, and I'll write some of those in the margin, some of those conditions in the margin of Mm -hmm. my book, so that it's with me all the time and I can access that. Um, The guidelines themselves, remember, you can always print out those guidelines and Um, And I say that because most of our publications, the guidelines are in some ridiculous like eight or six or four. It's a four,
1: it's a four font,
0: which we can't read. (laughs) And especially as we get older, right? (laughs) I have a student with a magnifying glass that she does her homework with. Um, I have seen people, because this is a public document, I've seen people copy paste it into a word document and expand it to like 18 font so that normal people can read it (laughs) I love what i had to do i mean i i I can't read the original
1: i have to do it myself
0: (laughs) absolutely on our youtube channel we also um have broken down or expanded upon each one of the sections of icd-10 so if you're looking for maybe someone to to walk through that with you and give you a perspective of, of my interpretation of the guidelines, please feel free to go on to this, our YouTube channel and to uh, watch those videos. They're available there anytime you want to watch them. All of our, our recordings are there. So that's something that we've been doing this year is trying to really help out with ICD 10 because it, it can be very challenging at first. Absolutely. Any parting information? We've reached our time together, which is so weird because I feel what? like we just started. We've
1: flown by. How can it be over? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, parting parting words on this particular chapter number one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are in this space of infectious disease and you look at charts like this, um, you have to make this chapter of guidelines, your best friend. It, that That book has to be open at all times. Um, you have to stay current. There were two changes like we talked about for this Mm -hmm. year, Um, that code that you talked about last week with Brian Quee, which I can't say, hemolytic uremic
0: syndrome syndrome is new for
1: this chapter as well. Okay, so um, we just have to be mindful and keep abreast of all of these new changes that do happen from year to year. Um, So got to stick with the guidelines and remember to read them multiple times In the year.
0: That's right. One of the other changes uh, was reminding us that last year during the year we had updates to ICD 10. Mm -hmm. And and we have another update that's coming again in April this year. Um, So you want to take a look at it. But the only thing that was updated last year is they gave us uh, a parent code and then they gave us two final codes, you know, the most specific codes, that specificity code. And one was for. Someone who is uh, not immunized for COVID nineteen, and the other one was for someone who is under immunized. So maybe they only received one of the two if they were utilizing that that um, manufacturer of COVID vaccine. And it's just important as we gather more and more data moving forward in that battle to understand COVID and how it's affecting us. It is important that we are reporting these codes so that agencies like the CDC can extrapolate that information from code, from claims that are submitted, and we have a better understanding of our population, whether they're vaccinated, non-vaccinated. So if your office has been hesitant of reporting these codes, especially when people present with the long haul or the post-COVID conditions, uh, I'd really advise you, recommend you, encourage you to report these codes so that from a statistical perspective, we can see, we can have that knowledge, that data to see how we're battling this this disease or this virus that has affected us all. So thanks again, Sanal, for coming on. I am so excited about SP Collaborative LLC. I can't wait to see what amazing things we're going to hear from you this year. Um, if you, you need so to reach out to Sonal, her information is, is passing on the, the ticket across the bottom there. Make sure you connect with her on LinkedIn. She posts great information, tips every day, motivational quotes to keep us going in this ever exhausting, changing industry. I, I look forward to them every day because it changes the perspective of my face. I smile when I see your motivational quotes um and, and your your tips for us. So thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Thank you so much, Christine. It's been my pleasure.
0: Enjoy your pizza tonight.
1: I'm gonna eat it. Love it. <laughs> <laughs>